0: This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look Under the Dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but
1: I'm kind of a big deal.
0: On 1037 The Game.
1: And welcome everyone to Under the Dome with a CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. We are live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios, presented by Lafayette Roofing from the Roof to the Roots of Acadiana. These good brothers have you covered. You just gotta call 237 Roof. That's 237-7663. And just moments ago, this kind of just hit the Twitter sphere. So might as well kind of break the news to you on this Saturday morning to kind of get things kick started off right on a game day. And a very special game day with LSU and Florida facing off later today at 7 o'clock. And Ed Ogeron put it on wax on game day. That Rashard Lawrence, Glenn Logan, von Chaison, and Michael Divinity all back. Who's back of the week? That's all who's back for LSU. I cannot wait to see what's going down between the LSU Tigers and the Florida Gators. And trust me, it is litty. Over in Baton Rouge, right about now. Hopefully, you're enjoying what we're bringing to the table here with our kind of sort of game day, getting you ready for the big one. LSU, Florida, tonight. You'll hear it right here on 1037 the game, 7 o'clock kickoff pregame at 5 p.m. So make sure to listen in to Acadia in a sports station. Then again, I feel like you shouldn't stop listening to Acadia in a sports station because we bring the heat 24 7. Three sixty-five. And hey, guess what? It's a big show for you today. A stack lineup. I'll give you the lineup in a little bit, but we love to do a little something called looking back at the night that was in high school football. And we're gonna go ahead and do that in the fastest three minutes possible. We start in a Rebel Stadium last night where it was the Golden Bears and Turlings facing off in a classic matchup. And the Golden Bears were hungry for some baked goods on Friday night. And they sure as heck got it done. Bear claws, regular donuts, donut holes, you name it. They had it. five total turnovers on the evening. But it was this pick six that turned things on their head by Rashad Odazine. LeBlanc with Brinkman next to him. Rebels looking at third and six, knocking on the door of the red zone. Quick pass, tipped in the air, and it's almost intercepted, and it is the Golden Bears. Onazim tips it to himself, and he's still running on the far sideline. Onazim cuts it back across the grain. He's past midfield. Onazim with two players to beat past the 30, the 20, and Rashad Onazim with a pick-six house call. Unbelievable. Rashad Onazim picks six to get things done. And the Golden Bears came away with a 31-27 victory over the Turlings Rebels still open up Conference. Still open up District Play, excuse me. So you see talking about conferences. We're talking about district play in 5-4A. That's their fifth straight win. And they'd be getting ready for a matchup next week against the North Side Vikings. Looking over at Vermilion Parish. More specifically, we put the microscope on ERAF. That was the big Vermillion Parish game of the week, and it was huge. The crew, Don Allen and Ward Corville, were more than looking forward to the big one between these two programs. And it lived up to the hype. A low scoring contest had some shades of what happened on Wednesday night inside Cajun Field between the Cajuns and App State. Low scoring. And Erath kind of took momentum in the third quarter to make it 13 12, eventually taking the dub. Deep in pirate territory. LeBlanc with a straight run. Slips the tackle to the backfield, Fights
0: his way into the end zone for a touchdown.
2: There you go, exactly what we said. He made the first guy miss, he made the second guy miss, and he powered himself into the end zone.
1: It's high this football game. Luke
2: LeBlanc did not come into this game statistically as a threat to run the football.
1: But it didn't matter, he got it done. Eraf, Bob Bobcats, 20, Kaplan, Pirates, 12. We go to Westgate High School with St. Thomas Moore and the Tigers facing off against each other. St. Thomas Moore looking for some revenge after a tough, heartbreaking loss to Cathaguy Baton Rouge to wrap up their non district slate. And they open it up with the Westgate Tigers. But things kind of went the same route as last week with a late touch, late field goal, excuse me, by Westgate sealing the deal got two officials out there to check this well they've got six from this crew oh, okay that's why awesome. there's a snap kick is up Ooh.
0: and it is good 207 remaining in the ball game and the tigers take the lead 24 21 a timeout back with more of the
1: and that was all she wrote the stm cougars after Danny jones boldly predicted that they weren't going to lose another game lost another game to the Westgate Tigers' elite field goal, secured the bag for the Tigers 24-21. Meanwhile, the Southside Sharks made their way over to a pretty vaunted program in the past, and that is the Sulphur Golden Tours. They made their way over there, and they took care of business. And this late touchdown secured the bag after being down for some of the ballgame right the quarterback finds his man and he gets to the pylon touchdown sharks and the sharks get it done 38 35 over the golden tours of sulfur just a simply phenomenal week number six for the football programs that we cover here on 1037 the game sdnb and the loan kind of blemish on that record and of course if you want to get real technical barb Came up short last night as well in a hotly contested one against Sam Houston. Sam Houston comes away with a surprising, and I definitely say surprising, loss in week six to Sam Houston. 31-28 elite field goal sealed the deal. Not exactly the best thing in the world to see for the Bar Buccaneers. But I think they could wind up getting back into that win column before too long. They're a damn good program, and they've always been able to kind of keep things consistent. And by the way, if you're in Lake Charles, you can listen to them on 104.1 FM. The Rewind is, of course, we have over here, Acadian. That is the lafayette Eye Mighty Lions who came up short. We got taken to the woodshed a little bit last night. 42-11, to 11, the Nish Yellow Jackets get it done. A little bit of a surprising victory for them. But next week is going to have one of the most marquee matchups in the Acadia area. And I think everybody is going to be keeping their eye on that one. And that is Lafayette Christian Academy and the Notre Dame of Acadia Parish Pios. The last two Division 4 state champs and Division 3 state champs squaring off in a district matchup. Give me the green light to watch this bad boy. I cannot wait to see what happens later this week when these two teams face off because the hype is all too real and hopefully you're looking forward to it as much as I am and more important, I'm just looking forward to what's going to happen in the next few weeks because we are already, you heard me right we are already in week number 7 numero siete. we're nearing the end of the regular season which is weird for me to think but guess what, I am loving every minute of it hopefully you are as well and, of course, it's a wonderful Saturday, ap- Saturday morning. By the way, if you haven't been outside yet, make sure you throw on some pants because it is positively delightful. It's the first teasing, I would say, of sweater weather. I know last night some of the wind was whipping, and this was some awesome stuff last night with the wind whipping and the weather starting to feel a lot more like fall. I'm talking some straight-up sweater weather, about 60-something degrees. I know my friends up in Natchitoches were saying it was about like 40-something degrees, which is just shocking to think about in 2019. But right now, it is 61 degrees, and it is pretty nice outside. So make sure you put on some pants, and, pants, and it's going to be a darn good day outside. I, I, honestly, I just love the fact that we're starting to get some cooler temps. Obviously, it only lasts for a couple days, and then we get it again, then we don't have it. We get the consistently inconsistent fall that I feel like we expect here in Acadiana, so hopefully you're enjoying it so far. I'll give you a rundown of who we got on tap for the show today, and we've got a stacked lineup, and I did that for a reason. It is such a big weekend in sports. Of course, we've got LSU Florida, the Red River Rivalry, the ALCS starting up, the NLCS started last night. I can talk about that plenty, but we also have the Saints-Jags this weekend. So there's a lot of things that are going to be worth talking about. I'm going to make sure to hit all of those things. At 10.15 in the next segment, we're going to have J.J. from the Bronx, Our guy will join the program, talk a little bit about that ALCS. The Yankees got plenty of rest between after sweeping those Twinkies, got it done, and now they're, they've been waiting to see who's going to win between the Rays and the Astros. And I think they were more than happy to see that go down the way that it did going to that necessary fifth game because that changes things in terms of what you'd expect from their starting rotation. And now it's going to be Grinky, Verlander, and Cole game one, two, and three. I know Tanaka is going to be starting game number one tonight. I'm trying to pull it up right now because I can't remember exactly who the Yanks will be sending out in game two and game three, just for comparison's sake. But it's going to be an interesting series largely because of that big issue is what's going to happen once you get past Game 2 and Game 3, because obviously you need to come away with a split here if you want to have any shot at all of making it to the World Series. Because I think once you go to Yankee Stadium, things could turn out not too good for them. And the rotation is Masahiro Tanaka for the Yankees, James Paxton in Game 2, Luis Severino is going to be starting Game 3. All these guys going to have plenty of rest, so it's going to be fun to see what happens between Zach Grinky and Masahiro Tanaka because of course Grinky, last time we saw him got completely run in that ball game fairly early against the Tampa Bay Rays in game four. But mind you, I feel like the Tropicana field may be a dump of a stadium, but they can get things done and look dominant in there. I mean, the opening of the game opening of the regular season for the for the Astros was in Tropicana and the Rays made them look like fools. I think they started off 1-3 and three to start the season, and now, lo and behold, they had the best record in baseball, and they're getting ready for a big one in the New York Yankees ALCS matchup. We're talking to him in just a few minutes. At 10.30, we're going to talk with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, about college football. A lot of great matchups, a lot of great storylines to talk about, so we'll get to him about that. Eleven fifteen, Will Salmon. Of the Athletic, we'll talk to him about those Florida Gators and the big game between Florida and LSU at Tiger Stadium later today. And then we also will talk a little bit New Orleans Saints, Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a a Louisiana versus Florida weekend. I wouldn't have it any other way. So, of course, we got to talk to our good brother, Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, Locked on Saints podcast. That's how we do things on a Louisiana Saturday morning. We'll go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to go to George's box and talk to J.J. from the Bronx. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Quick timeout on the floor. Back after this.
0: The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer, you're Manchester United suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 1037 The Game. Of all, the dramatic things, of all the dramatic things I've ever seen, Roger Clemens standing right in George Steinbrenner's box announcing he is back. Roger Clemens is a New York Yankee.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And I play that for a very specific reason. That's because our guy... JJ from the Bronx, host of the George's Box podcast. And now it's ALCS time. We've got the Astros and the Yankees. George Costanza is rolling his eyes right about now because he said that no Yankee was ever coming to Houston as long as those guys were still running things. But now we're seeing the New York Yankees head to H-Town for the beginning of the best of seven series. And you'll hear all the action on the rewind 97.7 FM tonight due to LSU. Playing a little primetime football for a change. But now, once again, we'll go to the Arco Equipment Hotline. Talk to our guy, JJ from the Bronx. What's going on, my man? We're ready for war. We're (laughs) full Kevin
3: Garnett mode. We're loading up the clips. We're loading up the Uzis. We're ready for war.
1: That is awesome. I can about imagine y'all are just so excited because it, it couldn't have worked out any better from the Yankees' perspective to see that ALDS go five, right? Yeah.
3: I mean, at the end of the day, the rays are who we thought they were of course they get eliminated because of something stupid like tipping pitches if it what i mean you guys should be thanking them because if we weren't if they weren't tipping pitches you guys would be at home and we'd be planning the parade fully already
1: and y'all are all, y'all have been planning that parade for quite some time and you know what i have to agree with the fact it feels like things are setting up nicely for those New York Yankees. In game one, you got Masahiro Tanaka taking on Zach Grinky who did not look necessarily great in his last start. What can you say about the pitching matchup between Tanaka and Greinke?
3: Zach Greinke a mental midget. Um, you saw his press conference. He doesn't want to be there. He'd rather be at home. He signed a contract with the Diamondbacks, expecting to be home by now. This is nothing but a bother to him. I'm expecting us to knock Greinke around. Tanaka gives us couple good innings maybe five good innings turn it over to the bullpen and now we've taken one and we've taken home field advantage
1: talk right now with jj from the bronx the man is hyped up right before game day right before the game gets started later on tonight and of course the bronx bombers just have been absolutely feasting on pitchers all season long obviously you got aaron judge out there grinding and i think one player that's definitely surprised a lot of people at least not not necessarily me because, obviously, former LSU Tiger we're talking about. DJ LeMayhew, what can you say about him and how crucial he is to that lineup and tonight and the rest of the LCS?
3: I don't see how realistically, if you call the award most valuable player, anyone's been more valuable to any team in the league. Alex Bregman has had a great season on a great team that has had some injuries but not to the level of the injuries that the Yankees have had. DJ LeMay, who has gone from not starting on opening day to an all-star, and now he's our starting first baseman. Even though he's a platinum second baseman, uh, I can't. You know, Mike Trout. Mike Trout talk. You can't be the most valuable player on a fourth-place team. No one cares about that.
1: And the last time these two teams faced off in the ALCS was two years ago, and that resulted in the Astros getting their first ever World Series. What's the biggest difference that you've noticed between that team in 2017 to the team that's about to get ready to open up their best of seven series?
3: Chase Headley's not our DH. Jacoby Ellsbury has fallen into a black hole. Instead, we have Edwin Encarnacion. We have Giancarlo Stanton. We have uh, we have DJ LeMahieu, who's not even supposed to be there. We have 22 year old Glaber Torres instead of. Starlin Castro, who was a good Yankee but played a a lazy game. So the the fact that the players are so much better and this team plays for each other with so many injuries throughout the course of the year, they've never given up on each other. There's so many times these guys could have taken a a paycheck and just said, all right, well, hey, it wasn't our fault. But they grind. They're a 27-out team. And so no matter who we play, no matter who you put on the mound, no matter who's on the other side, They believe in each other, and for the fans, we all know that. It makes it so much easier to believe in them.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun to see these two teams face off and kind of flipping things over. We're going to go from the ALCS to the NLCS. I just want to get your POV on this because this was something I don't think anybody saw coming where we see the St. Louis Cardinals and the Bryce Harperless Washington Nationals face off for a chance to make it to the World Series to take on either the Astros or the Yanks.
3: Yeah, I think – that the Nationals, they're just, they're running hot right now. I'm, I think you beat a 106 win, win team and eliminate them in the Dodgers, who've gone to the World Series back to back years, you're going to run hot. Um, I think the Cardinals, I mean, we're talking about two 90 something win teams. I think it was like 91 and 93. So it's a great, you know, consolation game series. They're playing for third place. I think you throw, you know, eight and two thirds innings of a no, or seven and two thirds innings of a no hitter out there. It's very you know it's very exciting for the fans, but at the end of the day, whether they have Bryce Harper, they don't have Bryce Harper, whether Mark McGuire suits up for the Cardinals or not, those two teams are playing for third place.
1: I love it, JJ man. We got to kind of get things back over to the series between the Astros and the Yankees. How do you how do you see the series going? Basically,
3: I think the Yankees. I, I think we beat up on Granky tonight. I think we we abuse him in a way that if it was a prize fight, they'd stop it early. And then, listen, Verlander got knocked around last game. He's a very good pitcher, but he's also a weirdo who takes naked pictures with his girlfriend like he's on some weirdo subreddit, all right? So I can't be afraid of that guy. You can get in his head. So we, at a minimum, we're getting a split, but I think there's a legitimate chance we take two. Now, our starting pitching has been the weakness we've had all year, but thanks to our bullpen, we only have to go – four innings five innings and turn it over to the bullpen our lineup never gives up they're picking each other up there's a legitimate chance we take two uh, at home at in Houston I think at a I think it's Yankees in five
1: I like that a lot JJ thanks so much for coming on man man we'll talk to you down the road it's definitely gonna be a fun series awesome all right that was JJ from the Bronx the host of the Georges box podcast. You check out online, and trust me, this was so, this is a lot of fun. Did not necessarily expect all the references thrown out there, but then again, this is a guy who is a huge Yankees fan, and in fact, his Twitter name is Yankees Parade Planner, along with JJ from the Bronx. A man loves him some New York Yankees. Well, I'm on the other side of the fence, and I'm going with the Houston Astros to win that series. I think it's going seven. A big reason why is just because of what he was talking about. The bullpen of the Yankees versus the bullpen of the Astros. The starting pitching has been the calling card for the Astros, but when that's not in there, and also add the fact in game, I believe game three or game four, you're TBA, you're Taco Bell Anderson. You don't know what you're going to wind up doing. You don't know what you're going to wind up doing going forward. You don't know what's going to happen with you in terms of the offense. You're going to wind up having to kind of rely on run support and more importantly, what's going to happen whenever you don't have Zach Greinke, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole in there for game four in Yankee Stadium. That's going to be absolutely huge to see what happens from that aspect. We're going to go ahead and take that quick commercial break. Come back. We'll talk some college football with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. And guess what? You'll hear right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Quick timeout on the floor. Back after this.
0: The numbers don't lie. Because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD... Your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and 2-thirds percent. Now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. You're fat on Acadiana's sports station 1037 the game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on a Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios. And now we're going to kind of flip things over and talk some college football. And, my goodness, it is a fantastic, dare I say, tremendous week number seven. And do that, we're going to go over to the ARTCO Equipment Hotline, talk to our guy Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. Steve, what's going on, brother?
2: Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you. Week 7, I think, is the best slate of games we had this year so far. So looking forward to a lot of great matches. It should be a fun Saturday.
1: Oh, There's a lot of really fun matches between everybody involved. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially when you look at what's coming up in the next, let's say, 25 minutes. And that is Oklahoma-Texas, the Red River Rivalry. Oklahoma ranked 6th, Texas ranked 11th. Jalen Hurts, Sam Ellinger, it's going to be a lot of fun th- this morning to kind of get things kick started.
2: It really is. You know, last season, these two teams played twice, and both of these games were really fun and entertaining. Uh, you mentioned the two quarterbacks, and I think that's where this game starts. Which quarterback, kind of going against the defenses here, which are both questionable, um, which one of these quarterbacks is going to kind of win the day? And I think for Texas, We've seen them kind of use Sam Ellinger cautiously at times, and then they kind of unleash him in the bigger game. And I think you'll see Texas do that. They'll let Sam Ellinger run as much as they need to. I think if you're Oklahoma, the same thing with Jalen Hurts. I think both of these quarterbacks are going to land their share of punches. I mean, both defenses – are struggling. We will find out a lot about Oklahoma's today because on paper this defense is improved, albeit it still has its issues. So I think we're in for a pretty high-scoring game and probably the first of two times these two teams uh, will play this season.
1: And I would absolutely love that. And the over/under for this ball game is 78. How, how much do you think they could wind up racking up? Because this game feels like they could wind up getting into the 40-50 point range combined.
2: Absolutely. I mean, last year, I think the first matchup was, I think, 48-45, I think. You know, the the second one was a little bit low scoring. But, you know, both of these teams, from an offensive standpoint, do it a little bit differently. Oklahoma, uh, with Jalen Hurts and those receivers, they can hit the big plays. For Texas, a little bit more methodical. You know, you see Sam Ellinger, you'll see Keontae Ingram. Texas may try to run the ball a little bit more to slow down Oklahoma, and keep them off the field, essentially limiting the possession. So I, that being said, the way these two defenses have played this year, I think you have to assume it's going to be a high-scoring game. And much like last season, one or two possessions is probably going to decide it, and whichever defense can get the stop at the right time uh, will probably be the team that wins. So high-scoring probably comes down to one or two defensive stops.
1: I think it's going to be, as good old Jim Ross would say, a slobber knocker between these two programs. It's going to be a lot of fun to see these two face off. In fact, they're already kind of getting chippy. I just saw this pop up during the interview, and that is from Jason Kersey. There's a pregame flag right now, and each – let me pull this up. Every player from both teams has been issued an unsportsmanlike foul, Steve. So it's safe to say that everybody is on notice before the game even starts.
2: Oh, man, is there anything better in college football than rivalry games? And you see this happen before the game gets started. I mean, what does that – I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but what does that mean we're going to see today between these two teams? They're already fired up. They've got flags. Um, Certainly it does kind of limit what you can do during the game, and you have to be cautious. But, man, tension's already high in a big-time matchup today.
1: That's the absolute best, Steve. And of course, you brought it up. High stakes, high octane matchups. I think the biggest one outside of that is what's going on. Prime time for Steve. You don't realize like like three of the last two of the last four weeks of Under the Dome have had to be bumped and pushed back right after LSU games at 11 a.m. And I'm just so excited about the fact LSU is playing a prime time game, seven o'clock against the Florida Gators. A top ten matchup the one everybody's looking forward to seeing. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun because of the fact there is that fierce, intense rivalry between these two teams.
2: Absolutely. And not to mention you have one of the nation's best
1: defenses in
2: Florida going up against LSU, um, ranked number one in scoring offense. I mean, think back to June or July. If you told someone that LSU would be in week seven, with the number one scoring offense in college football, they probably thought you were crazy, and that you know you're you're either doing it on NCAA football on PS3 or something. But here we are. I mean, it is a great matchup from historical perspective and the on-field element that Florida uh, got the win last week against Auburn. They continue to just find ways to win, but this will be their toughest test of the season. LSU, from an offensive standpoint, as I mentioned. Uh, the best-scoring offense in college football. Joe Burrow and those receivers will be the best test of Florida's defense. And I think on the flip side for Florida, um, you know, last weekend's Auburn, most of their damage on offense came on a couple plays. And I think that's the key for LSU tonight is can they limit those big plays from Florida because we've seen it's, they struggle. Florida struggles to run the ball. Their offensive line has been an issue. And Kyle Trask has turned the ball over with fumbles. Um, especially last week, so a couple of keys I think critical that both teams kind of tackle in space well and prevent the big plays. I think if you're LSU, you want to make Florida get those 10, 11 play drives and not hit on those big plays like they did last week.
1: Exactly, you need to have those long drives because I think that winds up working in your favor, especially when you look at how LSU's offense has played a lot of high power. Last week was a big it was different because we saw obviously them play. A little bit more similar to what they've done in the past, where it was a lot. Maybe I'm not going to say it was significantly slower, but you could tell they were taking their time on some drives to make sure they off. Their defense is well rested heading into this matchup.
2: Absolutely, you know I think it was what 40 minutes of time of possession, and a good thing against the Utah State team that plays with a lot of tempo and has a good offense. You know LSU's defense certainly um, shut it down, but. You know, I think when you look at this matchup for Florida, a lot of what LSU, you, know, you think LSU's kind of issues with tackling this year at times and maybe some of the depth in the secondary, Florida will try to spread them out with Trask and those receivers and get passes over the middle of the field and attack that way. And then hoping that one of those 10 yard throws becomes a 40 or 50 yard gain. Florida, from, you know, you look at statistically on offense without the big plays, you kind of wonder how they're doing it. But Dan Mullen is a really good coach. He will have this offense ready to go. He will have a good game plan. But at the same time, I think it's an uphill battle for Florida. I mean, LSU offensively has just been so good. And even if Florida wins its share of battles on defense, I'm just not sure Florida offensively can make enough plays. So I also a little bit of an X factor will be the help of LSU's defense. Looks like it'll be healthier, and this may be the best this group can play uh, this season. We may see it uh, tonight against Florida's offense.
1: I would absolutely love to talk right now with our guys, Steve Lasson, Athlon Sports. You can follow him, follow him on Twitter, at Athlon Steven, And we're talking about the LSU ball game, and one of the big things that popped up just as I was going on the air was the fact that you have Rashard Lawrence, Glenn Logan, Caleb Von chasson and Michael Divinity all back for this huge Huge ball game, top ten matchup, as mentioned earlier. How huge is that to see all these guys on the defensive side of the football be back for this one?
2: It's huge. You know, when watching LSU defensively this season, they have not been as dominant as we're used to seeing. But it could be because the way the offense is playing. Sometimes the defense has been on the field a little bit more. The Texas game, you know, Texas also has a good offense, too, so it wasn't surprising but also, I, I think LSU's defense can only get better from this point of the season. And when you have Grant Delpit and Fulton and Stingley in the secondary, that's one of the best secondaries in college football. And now you start adding guys back to the front like Lawrence and, and Logan and all of them. When this group gets healthier, they will play better. And getting these guys back at the right time, because LSU comes up to this stretch run before they play Alabama, Um, it gives the defense a couple of games to gel. So tonight is important because they're going against a Florida team that they'll need everybody back for, but also just getting everyone back and on the same page for the second half of the season, especially with Alabama Looney, uh, is pretty crucial.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely huge to see these guys be back in action, even though it felt like it was expected to be that way, just based off of how kind of the schedule worked out, where after Texas, you played relative jobbers. I mean, you saw Utah State last week. That was that was going to be a win no matter what. You had the Vanderbilt game a couple weeks prior, <laughs> and now you've got the big game against Florida and the rest of your SEC schedule. But we're going to we go to Florida. Just look back at what happened last week. Did we see Florida expose Auburn for all the flaws they had, or can Auburn start bouncing back after this one?
2: You know, I think it's a little bit of both because Auburn can get better from here. Bo Nix, as a freshman, um, certainly struggled in the road environment at Florida. Florida's defense also had a lot to do with it. The way that Florida can generate pressure with just its defensive line and then cover in the secondary. Um, Not many teams in college football kind of have that set up right now. So some of it was Auburn offensively with a freshman quarterback, and a struggling offensive line, it caught up to them. I will be interested to see now that Auburn kind of has been punched, what do they do to punch back? Because they still have to play Georgia. They still have to play uh, Alabama in November. So they could play spoiler, and their offense can get better. I'm not sure it will, but I think Auburn's still a pretty solid top 25 team with a great defense and an offense that still has a lot of question marks and going up against teams like Georgia and Alabama, it will need to make a massive improvement to pull off an upset in either one of those two
1: games. I'd have to agree with you, Steve. Before I let you go, I want to get your thoughts on what other game are you keeping an eye on today? Because it feels like you know we talked about the Oklahoma-Texas and the LSU-Florida game. Those are the two marquees, and they're booking it perfectly. One's coming up in about another like 15 minutes, and then you've got another one later on tonight, LSU-Florida. What other game are you kind of keeping an eye on?
2: You know, I'm interested in Alabama and Texas A&M this afternoon. Alabama defensively has had some struggles this season. A lot of new faces in the front seven. They're going on the road and playing Texas A&M. Offensively, Texas A&M has struggled to run the ball. Their offensive line has been an issue. So this will be a good test for Alabama's defense, but also for Texas A&M. We came into the season thinking that, Maybe this team, despite a tough schedule, could find its way in the top 10 to 12 teams. And with a loss today, Texas A&M would be out of the top 25 and already at three losses. So this is kind of one of those matchups I'm interested to see after the bye week. How does Alabama play defensively? And what does Texas A&M look like uh, at home against maybe the best team in college football? But we'll also throw out Penn State and Iowa tonight. We don't know a lot about Penn State, but they've been really impressive uh, through the first month of the season,
1: Steve. Thanks so much for coming, on my man. We'll talk to you hopefully next week because, of course, we're waiting to see when the heck LSU is going to play Mississippi State. We could be getting bumped again because of eleven a.m. kickoff. I'll let you know, but we'll talk to you when we talk to you, brother.
2: Hey, Clint. That sounds great. Enjoy the games this weekend. Hopefully, the slate lives up to
1: the hype. I think it will, Steve. You can follow him on Twitter at Athlon The good brother delivers once again. And you know what? We're gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I'll give you an idea of what I thought about the about what's going on between LSU and Florida, the hype week surrounding it. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about the I'll talk about a lot of different things here. Because I've got I've got a little time to kind of do what I want to do and do what I do best. And that's gonna kind of do a little rambling onward. We're gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break. we will be back with a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 the game and 1037thegame.com. Timeout on the floor. Back after this.
0: Every time CD takes the mic is like a box of chocolates.
3: You never know what you're going to get.
0: Now let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 the game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 thegamecom Live from the 237 Roof Studios. And I'm still laughing at the fact that, you know, when, while we're talking with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, all hell is breaking loose at at the Texas-Oklahoma game. Both teams meeting at midfield, and the next thing you know, it is getting absolutely heated the entire both teams, both players, both, both teams, every player has received an unsportsmanlike conduct according to referee Mike DeFee. That means a player gets one of the game, and they are automatically disqualified. So you gotta imagine this game gets extra chippy. You're gonna be, you, like, you're gonna have to make sure these guys are kept in line, or else they could be out of that game in a hurry. And more importantly, especially when you get in that second half, things need to be kind of kept in order. So I think this is the right thing to do. But it's amazing that in, that that actually happened. I have never seen anything like that. A pregame flag is something that's happened from time to time, but to where an unsportsmanlike conduct is thrown for every single player on both teams, not just their their top guys. But everybody, I have never seen anything like that before in my life, but I absolutely love the fact that it happened. But it's going to be a great Saturday afternoon with what's going on in the Acadia area and also across the country because it is college football game day. You had the Astros, and the ALCS. We had JJ from the Bronx on earlier in the program. and I think it's safe to say that a lot of people loved what we brought to the table over the course of, of the few minutes, we had him on, and in fact, he tweeted out uh, not long after because it took every bit of him. He, again, he's a podcast guy, so I'm certain there's a lot, of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of swearing in there, but all of a sudden, he tweeted this out like not long after. saying, like, when I go on the radio and don't curse, and he was just like crushed. I'm like, yes, you did. That yeah, was amazing. Like, It was one of my favorite interviews because I knew there's a lot of angst from his side of the country. Versus us, who's like, yeah, it is what it is. We're going to wind up whipping the tail end off of y'all. But I think you've got to give the Yankees a lot of credit later tonight when they take on the Astros because they have that advantage of having extra rest. I think that puts things in their favor. Add the fact that you're starting game one with Zach Greinke and it's not Ver- Verlander or Garrett Cole, Bebe. You're waiting to see what's going to happen with those two. But it's going to be fun to see what happens next. For the oh boy, it's gonna it's just gonna be fun in general between the Astros and the Yankees. It's just this weekend is gonna be awesome. And again, it's just the fact I guess October twelfth we're here talking about a marquee matchup between LSU Florida, the Red River Rivalry, the ALCS, the NLCS started last night, and that was that was intriguing where we're seeing right now the. Washington Nationals holding a one to nothing lead after getting it done two nothing win over the Redbirds, who wound up just looking amazing in Game Five. Ten runs in the first inning, just unprecedented stuff was going on with those Game Fives. The Nationals overcoming the Dodgers, or better yet, the, the Dodgers screwing themselves over a little bit because I felt like the the excuse me the Nats had every chance to win that game, or the Dodgers and then you had everything kind of fall apart instantly. The second you put Clayton Kershaw out there in the seventh, you knew what was going to happen, and it lived up. You knew what was going to happen, and it happened, and it was kind of funny to watch, at least to me. But guess what? Hour number two is going to be just as stacked. Hour number two I'm looking forward to, simply because of the fact that we have Will Salmon on to talk about. The LSU-Florida game was lucky enough to get him on last year. Great stuff from him. So we'll keep the ball rolling. We'll have him on at 11.15. At 11.30, we'll have Ross Jackson, All Saints Consider, Locked on Saints podcast. Talk about the Saints and Jags matchup. The Saints are heading over to Jacksonville to get a noon matchup against those dreaded Jaguars. Leonard Fournette, DJ Chark, and Minshew Mania been running wild in that place. it would be a lot of fun to see these two teams face off before I wrap up this hour, there was a soundbite that I've been laughing about for like the last few days, simply because it was the butchering of a phrase that everybody knows, everybody's heard at one point or another. But the good brother, Mike Francesa, I got to laugh at this. All love in you know War is fair. We understand that. Everything goes. Everything goes. It's probably my favorite part of it. Everything goes. All, all, I got to play one more time. All love and, you know, war is fair. We understand that everything goes all love and war is fair. That's like the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life, but I absolutely love it. Mike Francesa is just a national treasure. And I should have played that during uh, the interview with our guy, JJ from the Bronx. I'm sure he would have loved that, but hour number one, largely in the books, Hour number two, coming up. We'll give you an idea of what's on tap this weekend. Obviously, the Red River rivalry is going to be starting by the time we get back on the air. So that'll be left to the wayside, but trust me, there's a lot of other things worth talking about this weekend. And I give you an idea of it coming up next. You're listening to Acadiana's Sports Station, one oh three seven the game and 1037 The game dot It's halftime. We're taking another timeout. We'll be back with more. Hour number two next.
0: Be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 the game. Streaming live on 1037TheGame.com and on the free 1037 the game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game.
1: And welcome everyone to the must listen to sports talk show in Acadiana on a Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. It's oddly specific, but guess what? You can't deny it it is a scientific fact under the dome with cd on a kd and a sports station 103.7 the game and 103.7 the game.com is the place to be i'm the guy that runs things here hopefully every great saturday afternoon so far. obviously there's a lot of things going on that are worth talking about i'm gonna go ahead and get things going and talk about what's causing all this why i'm so excited about this weekend and more importantly get our two started off right it's about 11 a.m might be time to get a, get a little bit of the drink on so why not tell you what's on tap Man, I thought he would never get here. the weekend is finally
0: upon us oh hell yeah pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now
1: and i think obviously the biggest thing we need to talk about in terms of what's on tap is apparently what desmond howard thinks is on tap today well, they started drinking brown liquor much earlier than other other fans, especially when they tailgate. Yeah. So that's a very unfair advantage for LSU fans. A very unfair advantage for LSU fans. Desmond Howard yesterday talking about the LSU fans and the Tiger Stadium effect, especially on a um, Louisiana Saturday night. T-Boy, we all get it done. I love it coach oh and the tigers and florida the biggest thing on tap today is without a doubt what's going on between the lsu tigers and the florida gators it'll be chippy as i'll get out based off of what happened last year there's no love loss between the two programs you don't believe me trust me if you missed it earlier this week i'm gonna play it for you one last time and it is the LSU fi- players and their very pointed opinion on the Florida Gators.
4: I don't like them very much. I know they don't like us very much, and that's kind of been the talk around here. But um, you just kind of have to keep your emotions in check in a game like this.
3: You don't. You don't. It's not even going to sugarcoat it. It's just something that you know what I'm saying just goes wrong with the history of the programs. Obviously, two great teams that just it just bad blood collide. Very passionate programs and it's going to be something that's going to be exposed Saturday
1: night? Not at all. Not at all. I wouldn't, I mean, even if Florida's playing a a, a Big Ten score or something, I I, I don't don't care much for it. Like after last year, after last year's game, I mean, um, I I forgot that quarterback's name, their starting quarterback or whatever, I don't know his name, but, I mean, he was running around celebrating on the field like he won the Super Bowl, and so um, I don't know if he's playing this week. Hopefully he does, but, I mean, looking forward to getting after him. Well, uh, unfortunately for Braden Foco, Felipe Franks will not be out there. He suffered an injury, I believe, it was week two or week three. And now it'll be the man Kyle Trask, who had, a, I believe he had an injury last week, weight weekend against Auburn, came back and was ready to go. And it's going to be interesting to see how long he winds up staying out there. Of course, earlier in the week, Dan Mullen actually talked a little bit about his star player, or his backup quarterback, that's really proven himself over the last few days. And he talked about it during the SEC teleconference on Wednesday. Here's Dan Mullen talking about Kyle Trask and how full go he's been. Yeah, he he
2: practiced yesterday. We you know we kind of limited him on Monday. He practiced yesterday, um, you know, and and we expect him full go today again. So, I
1: absolutely love it. Dan Mullen telling it like it is. And, of course, you can listen to that right here on 103.7 The Game. 7 o'clock kickoff, 5 o'clock the pregame. All get started. No postgame show, but trust me, you need to just listen in and hear all the action right here on Acadian, a Sports Station. It'll be a lot of fun, to say the least. And then, of course, the other thing going on, the Red River rivalry, which is going on right behind me. And this came up a little bit later. Max Olsen tweeted this out. Also, Jason Kersey, both of The Athletic, said that official Mike DeFee Told Texas that know you captains before the coin toss, you will play this game with sportsmanship. Are we clear? They're not like us. We don't want to see just multiple disqualifications. We need to see everything, and I want to see it all go down live, and live in a color. I don't want to see people just get disqualified left right because you gave every player on both sides a lot of hatred between these two programs especially this year more than most they are not big fans of one another it's just going to be a lot of fun to see what happens there and then the other thing that everybody in this area especially is talking about is the astros yankees alcs it's the thing everybody including myself have been looking forward to for a while especially after things ended the way that they did. I thought maybe the Astros could have swept the Tampa Bay Rays, especially the way they performed in games one and two. And then once they got to Tropicana, which is a dump, they faltered underneath the pressure and could not keep up with them. Hopefully, the Astros can bounce back and get things done. Because it was disappointing, to say the least, to see the Astros go five games and now you're going to have to rely on Zach Greinke to be your game one starter. Because you need to, if you want to have any chance of winning this, you need to split, especially since you're starting off those first two games inside the friendly confines of Minute Maid Park. If it were starting off at Yankee Stadium, a split would be absolutely huge to turn the momentum in your favor. But right here, right now, I am telling you this. You're going to be watching the Astros win this one in seven that is my prediction and i think he is obviously i think this one's going to go seven because of the fact that you don't know what's going to happen beyond game th- game three game four is going to be a coin flip of who's going to wind up going out there It could be jose or quitty it could be wade miley i think probably or quitty could be that guy to get the start or you can go with a opener strategy actually let me let me correct myself wade miley's not even on a the ALCS roster. Let me give you an idea of who is gonna be in that number. You had Brian Abreu, Garrett Cole, Zach Grinky, Will Harris, Josh James, Roberto Osuna, Brad Peacock, Ryan Presley, Hector Rondon, Joe Smith, Jose Urquidy, and JV. So presumably game four could be a Urquidy situation, because Wade Miley not on the ALCS roster. The dude just was pop ball down the stretch. Hopefully. He can get that fixed before the twenty twenty season gets jump started because he would be absolutely huge to have in that rotation to make sure these guys get plenty of rest, namely guys like Garrett Cole, Bebe, and J V. Uh, is if of course they want to be getting uh, your boy Garrett Cole re-signed because he's a guy that you need to pay the man his money. But how much money is he going to be? How much money are you are going to have to spend to get the guy? To stay aboard, but interesting enough to see kind of how things worked out with Brian Abreu. It will be in an ALCS game. It'll be the eighth appearance of his major league career. If he shows up, he's only thrown eight point two major league innings in his career. But it's interesting. I think this will just be him sitting there. He'll be there as a body because I don't, I don't see him making a spot unless it's absolutely, positively have to. I'm looking forward to it, though. It's going to be fun to see these two teams face off. And I love how somebody actually made like a full blown like front page of The Advocate for College Game Day. And the sign says Joe Burrow Steals Your Girlfriend is the big headline. LSU beats Florida 89 0. Texas beats Alabama. Texas A&M beats Alabama 2 0. Trash found on Baton Rouge Stadium. And showing the Florida Gators look like the stuff on game day today was positively outstanding, especially with everybody picking the LC Tigers over Florida. But again, it's a loaded matchup for the ALCS, and that's kind of where I'm at. It's just something that's making me look forward to that a lot more. Obviously, you got the NFL on Sunday. And there's a lot on tap this weekend that I didn't quite get to in time. Of course, Saints Jags is going to be an interesting one because of the fact that you don't know about two things Jalen Ramsey and Alvin Kamara Jalen Ramsey is questionable I think he could be a doubtful and then you've got Alvin Kamara an ankle injury and now you don't know if you're gonna have him that puts things a lot of onus on one man and one man only that's Teddy two gloves can he withstand the weight of the world on his shoulders I think he can but it's gonna be interesting to see what happens from here when it comes to the New Orleans Saints and what goes down between those two teams tomorrow afternoon. And it's, I, I'm just saying, it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens between those two and the Red River rivalry going on right now. I believe they're, yeah, it's, uh, looks like Oklahoma is driving right now, about to try and punch this bad boy in. Not going to get it play by play here, but nope. Wait, nope. Uh, no, he didn't get it. They're going to want to probably have to settle for a field goal on after missing out on the third and goal. And coming up in this hour, the 11 o'clock hour is stacked again with guests. We'll start off the 11 o'clock hour with guests at 11 15 in the next segment where our guy Will Salmon. He covers Florida for the Athletic. So, you know, we got to talk about what's going on between those Gators and LSU expectations. Big keys to the game Kyle Trask. What does he looked like in practice from what he's been able to? Surmise from the man himself, Dan Mullen, and then 11:30 Ross Jackson, All Saints considered. Hopefully, he has more of an idea of what's going to happen between the top, between the Saints and the Jags. Alvin Kamara, what's up with him? A lot of other notable things that have happened in the last couple weeks for the Saints. What's next? But I'm looking forward to talking about it with him in the next segment. We'll go ahead and take a little bit of a commercial break, and we come back. We'll talk with Will Salmon a little bit of an extended run here to talk with him about it because trust me there's a lot of interesting storylines to kind of dive into and then ross jackson not long after that it's a quick timeout on the floor back with more on acadiana sports station 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com
0: From the preps... I gave it a, uh, a 10! A 10! ...to the pros... kick out one. Ready. ...and everywhere in between. Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on a Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com live from the 237 Roof Studios as always. And now it's time to kind of dive into it and talk about what's causing all this. And that is LSU, Florida tonight, 7 o'clock kickoff. You'll hear it right here on 103.7 The Game. Start with the pregame show at 5 o'clock. And now we're going to jump on over to the Artco equipment Hotline to talk to our guy, Will Salmon, he covers the Florida Gators for the Athletic. Will, what's going on, man? Hey, good to be on with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on, as always, my man. And I got to kind of start things off, of course, with the one player that everybody's been talking about is Kyle Trask filling in admirably at that for from my uh, guy Felipe Franks. And now we're looking at him, and he wound up getting injured last week in that Auburn game. What's it been like for him in practice this last week?
5: Well, I saw that injury from the press box on Saturday, and I was like, wow, um, I don't know if he's, he's going to come back in this game for that. And then lo and behold, he does and actually plays fairly well, and they even had him catch a pass for that matter. So that kind of defied what I was thinking. But on Monday, as you would think, sometimes with those type of injuries, they could do everything they can to get him back on the field, but you don't know how it's going to sort of how he's going to react to it, the swelling, this or or that. On Monday, they held him out of practice, probably more so for precautionary reasons, Uh, but uh, from what I understand, he was full go the rest of the way, and he kept saying all week that he was ready to go, that he was uh, going to play, and Dan Mullen said the same thing, that he was going to play and he was full full go um, for for tonight. So, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, um, he did fill him out admirably or has filled him out admirably for Felipe Franks, and, One of the better things you could say about Kyle Trask is that the moment has not been too big for him. It was really difficult to kind of step in that game against Kentucky and lead a comeback win like he did in the fourth quarter on the road. And since then, again, he made his first start since he was a freshman in high school. That was not too big for him either. So it's interesting to kind of see how he adapts to this environment because this is obviously unlike anything he's been through.
1: It's unlike anything a lot of people have been through because Tiger stadium at night is a different level of just insanity. What's been going on with these two programs is definitely a fierce rivalry, but I think Dan Mullen, it's safe to say that he probably doesn't want it to be as chippy as what we've seen during the Oklahoma, Texas game pregame. Everybody got an unsportsmanlike conduct. Hopefully he's one to avoid that.
5: Yeah, I think so. Um, it's kind of interesting because Florida's players have kind of not downplayed it, but they really haven't fed into it as much. They've kind of kept it to the same old cliches of we're going to handle it on the field. We'll see who, you know, we'll see what the score is, this, or, this or that. So they haven't really fed a whole lot of into a whole lot into it, and I feel like that's definitely from the top down saying, just hey, you know, we're going on the road here. We got to be our intensity, our level of focus has to be as high as it's ever been.
1: Talk right now with Will Salmon of the Athletic. We're talking to some Florida Gators ahead of the big game against LSU later tonight. And what's the big X factor for you to stop LSU's high-powered offense? Because it, this is, it's night and day when you look at the game last year between LSU and Florida heading into tonight. Because it feels like their this offense it really can't be stopped.
5: <laughs> no, it's been very impressive. Yeah, I've, I've been watching some LSU games, uh, their first few games this year, the game against Texas, as of course, and it's been so impressive, I mean, especially what they're doing in the red zone, where it's just, you know, if you think about it, it's like defensively, that's where a team should, should, it should really be difficult, because you've got the short field, and, you know, it should, should favor their defense a lot of times, but, I mean, they, they're just picking apart teams, so for me, uh, Florida, defensively, they have to win one-on-one battles, that's the same with um, the edge guys against tackles or tight ends, or whether it's Uh, one-on-one cornerback versus wide receiver. Obviously, LSU's wide receivers are super talented, some of the best in the country. But Florida's secondary also features some future first-round picks as well. So it's a pretty good matchup on both sides. And if uh, Florida can win their fair share of one-on-ones there, that gives them an opportunity, that gives them a a fighting chance in this game. So I I look for that. Um, The pass rush has to be pretty good. It's been good for Florida so far but under pressure, Joe Burrow has, has really put up some impressive numbers. That said, uh, Todd Grantham's pressure is a little bit different because he does a very good job of disguising where it's coming from. So that makes it – it's not just, hey, you're getting four guys in front of you, make a quick decision. Uh, that fourth guy, a lot of times, especially this year, you don't know where he's coming from. So that's what makes it very difficult for, for quarterbacks, uh, opposing quarterbacks against Todd Grantham's defenses.
1: And we just, you brought up Todd Grantham. It's just a perfect kind of segue to look at. Dan Mullen, Todd Grantham have definitely been able to take control of ball games against LSU. I mean, to a certain extent, to me, it feels like maybe just maybe Mullen has Ed Ogeron's number. What do you say about that, and what Mullen and Grantham have brought to the table, not only at Florida but at Mississippi State?
5: Yeah, you could certainly say that based on the history. Um, it's a little bit different defensively for Todd Grantham. I think this time around, just because of how different offensively. LSU is operating, but from the other side of the ball, with Dan Mullen first, I guess, like Dave Aranda defensively, uh, the running game is really what has helped Dan Mullen the past two times against Dave Aranda defenses, whereas at Mississippi State, he was able to use Nick Fitzgerald as a downhill runner, and that just really overwhelmed LSU at the second level. Uh, They really couldn't get a hold of them. And then last year, of course, They did a really good job of using that pitch. Uh, It was like a delayed pitch to the outside, and they were able to kind of get a numbers advantage that way because that guy on the edge had to account for the quarterback. Now, I don't know if Florida's running game is up to snuff where they can really accomplish that as effectively this year because the offensive line has not gotten a good enough push um, on a lot of these runs. And you don't know how limited Kyle Trask will be as far as his ability to be a runner or not. So that part of it is interesting. So I don't know how much history will favor them just because the teams are so different um,
1: in this specific uh, matchup. So, Will, what's your expectations for tonight's matchup? Well, I I think that the spread
5: is a little bit high just for, traditionally speaking, for a demo and coach team, particularly one that's ranked in the top ten. I can see LSU winning by a lot. I could see them covering it. I, I wouldn't necessarily bet on it. I think LSU wins by probably set between 7 to 10 points uh, just because I don't trust Florida's offensive line on the road against, um, against a, a defense like LSU's and at, at a
1: place like LSU. Well, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you in, down the road. Oh, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Will Salmon of The Athletic talking LSU, Florida. It's a big one tonight. I can't wait to see what happens. I think LSU is going to get the win here. I think the biggest key is can Joe Burrow kind of take care of business and do what he does best? Because I think if he does that, this team's going to be rolling all the way. And I think this is one of those games I talked about at the beginning of the year when me and Ben did our predictions, and I said, LSU 10-2, and two, I feel like it's where it's at because I think Alabama's a loss. But there's also going to be one game that could trip them up. It could be Texas A&M. It could be Florida. Hell, it could be Mississippi State. If you looked at the trends and see how that game, series goes, usually whoever's the home team has won that game. It's a lot like the Cajuns, Arkansas State game. By the way, that's this coming Thursday. So I can say right here, right now, with confidence, I think LSU wins this one because of the fact that their offense is supremely better. And Kyle Trask will be put to task because of the fact you have a lot of players back in action. That's going to be the key to the game is to have all these guys that haven't been there as of late. They're all back. You're not just sitting there waiting to see if this if this guy is going to be back. You know you've got Rashard Lawrence. You know you've got Glenn Logan. You know you've got all these guys. Caleb Oshaslaw, Michael Divinity. They're all back. And who knows, maybe in a couple weeks, you got Terrace Marshall back. And that would be absolutely huge because it's been a, it would be a miraculous recovery, and hopefully all these guys will be back. Cordell Flott should be back, according to Ed O'Shea. mentioned that earlier in the week, but hearing him, Coach O, say that all these guys are going to be back in action on game day—that's absolutely huge for the Tigers. Let me go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk with our guy Ross Jackson. All Saints considered and the Locked on Saints podcast, because that's how we do things here on a Louisiana Saturday morning. Be back with more after this. A quick timeout on the flow, on the flow. Back after this.
0: Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we
3: will break them.
0: Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us on 103.7 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great Saturday morning and listening in however you're doing so. Like I said, online, FM radio, in your car, even if you're like Teddy Bridgewater and you're riding your bicycle, listening in through the free mobile app presented by Visit Avery Island. You can do it however you like. And hey, We got on the Art equipment Hotline right now our guy Ross Jackson, and trust me, all Saints Considered and Locked On Saints podcast is the place you need to be. And I think right about now, if you're a Saints fan, you're loving what's been happening as of late, especially with Teddy B- Bridgewater, or as we're calling him, Teddy 200 in those streets. And now we're going to go over to that ARCO equipment hotline, talk to our guy at Ross Jackson. What's going on, bro?
4: What's good, man? What's good? Always glad to be here with you. I guess he's actually, I guess, Teddy for Hondo, but it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? It, it
1: doesn't work. It doesn't really work. I was hoping he could have just gotten two touchdowns because we could have called him Teddy 2Ds, and that's it. Two right? it. it would have been easy it would have been done we had a lock
4: for the like the entire week but i've been struggling to find something i thought maybe teddy two by two or something like that you know two, two, four touchdowns but i don't know i don't know what i don't know where to go this week so we'll see what happens sunday
1: exactly we'll see what happens this sunday and it's gonna be a lot of fun but before we get to that let's take a look back at the saints bucks game and it was absolutely a dominant performance from teddy bridgewater after like Two weeks where we saw him maybe not necessarily get things done. It was definitely a more of a complete team effort. We saw the special teams get a touchdown, the defense get a touchdown, and then we saw them be a almost look like LSU circa 2011 against Alabama, just nothing but field goals against the Dallas Cowboys, but still come away with the win. And now we're seeing him kind of come into his zone with that big performance against the Bucks.
4: Yeah, I mean, what a moment for him, right? A guy who hasn't, you know, he's waited, you know, over 1,300 days to get his first win in the NFL again, or his, you know, his next win in the NFL, and he got that a few weeks ago, and just the difference between what this team looked like the first week in Seattle under Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you could even really talk about the first week that we really saw him, which was against the Rams. and He was trying to run, you know, a game plan that wasn't built for him and everything, and then see him have control over the offense and sort of what happens. When you give somebody enough time to game plan, their, like, create their own game plan with the coach, and then just sort of the progress that he's made over those next couple of weeks has just been outstanding. And exactly what you hoped to see as a Saints fan, to see Teddy Bridgewater, as the highest paid backup in the NFL, Come in and look like somebody that you know could that gives you some security behind Drew Brees and gives you exactly what you need. Three and zero now without the Hall of Fame quarterback. Four and one sitting on the season. You know, four and one is exactly what we were hoping for with Drew Brees, and sort of be able to sit there without him for the most part is uh, is pretty pretty remarkable. And you know, Teddy's got a lot to do. With no lot to do with that. The defense. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, good team ball going on, but certainly what Teddy has done to hold his own and, and Drew Brees' stat is certainly remarkable.
1: It really is remarkable, and what's even more remarkable is that I was disappointed that we didn't get a chance to talk with you last weekend because of LSU kind of bumping us and having to do the post game show for the post game show. But right after it wrapped up, all of a sudden my phone pops up with a notification. Drew Brees is out there throwing footballs. What the hell is this dude's not human?
4: <laughs> no, not at all. And, of course, it's important to note that, you know, there are these kind of uh, – there are these a uh, little bit more Nerf ball-like and everything, but – you know, uh, Luke Johnson of The Advocate tweeted out yesterday that Drew was on the sideline gripping an actual NFL football. So he has moved so quickly, and apparently one of his target goals is to be ready to go by week eight, which would be just absolutely insane because that would essentially put him a week ahead of his recovery period and to put him within that right inside of that sort of five-week return uh, pace. And uh, I, I don't know that we need to see that happen in particular, but he certainly works his butt off to get back on that field as quickly as he can. hes You're absolutely right. He's not human. He's a machine, if nothing else.
1: Exactly. The conspiracy theories are abound now that we're going to be talking about Drew Brees possibly being a cybernetic organism here to protect the New Orleans Saints right. and protect this house. But I have to say, you know, We can say like right here, right now, it's like Drew Brees, you know, you don't have to kind of hurry yourself back. You can take your time now because we know that Teddy Bridgewater is the guy and everybody else is being like hyper-motivated now as well. I mean, we saw the defensive performance the last few games has been nothing short of spectacular. A lot of that big credit goes to DeMario Davis being the leader amongst all these men and getting things done as a leader, not only defensively, but for the entire team doing those chants, Pre-game, while Drew Brees wasn't there how it's just amazing to see how much Demario Davis has stepped up
4: he's been an incredible piece of leadership and a cornerstone for that defense for you know since the Saints were able to acquire him I think he's he has already entered the conversation at least casually on Twitter and on social media but also I think you can really truly have the conversation of him being one of the Saints best free agent pickups at least within this modern era He's been an incredible piece for them, and his, like you mentioned, his leadership is you know, on the field is one thing. His leadership off the field is an entirely other thing because of all the things that he's contributed to. You know, he's worked on everything from local policy up to you know addressing national policy, and he does all of this uh, outreach work and philanthropy work. Philanthropy work. It, he's been absolutely incredible, and so what he brings to the team is a lot of what you're talking about in terms of you know, him providing that leadership, taking over those pre-show huddle, I'm sorry, pre-game huddles, all of that. But then also, as you also mentioned, he comes out and he performs on the field as well. I mean, he leads by example, and he gets out there. And it's incredible for the Saints to have these three vocal leaders on the defense at each level, right? So you've got Cam Jordan at your defensive line. You've got Demario Davis at your uh, second level with your linebackers, and then you've got Von Bell in the secondary. All of which very vocal leaders lead by example. And all three of those guys are standing out just yeah, massively so far this season. And you can already see Cam Jordan in particular, as well as Demario Davis, actually, when you when you hear them talk in post game pressers and everything, they don't talk about what they did. They always talk about what they missed. Cam Jordan can go out there and have five sacks in a game, and instead he's not going to tell you how many sacks he got. He's going to tell you how many times he missed out on a sack or how many times he didn't finish and what he's got to do to get better. And you can see that starting to permeate through the younger guys and the rest of the team and on the rest of the defense. Look at um, Marcus Davenport last week. Had two sacks and uh, forced the no, I can't remember. He might have forced a fumble last week. I can't remember if it was that week or, or if it was before. But he had an incredible game regardless, seven pressures in that game, two sacks. And when you talk to him after the game, all he wanted to talk about was what he's got to do to get better and what he missed. And so you see that sort of permeating through the rest of the defense. There's a lot of leadership out there, and it's showing out on the field.
1: And it it's great to see talking right now with Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and All Saints Considered it's great to see from Demario Davis to become that leader of men and we're seeing him do the right things. And now we're going to kind of flip it over to what's going on tomorrow afternoon, noon kickoff, which is, again, I talked about this with you earlier on in the year where the schedule was the first four weeks of the season, you didn't have any of those noon games. It was like 325 games. You had primetime football in the Superdome for those first two home games. It's weird now to say that I am not a fan of noon football now. Is is that a weird thing to say considering, like, we've been Saints fans forever and we've got these noon games, like, consistently? Now I'm like, give me those 3 o'clock games.
4: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. No, I don't think it's weird at all. I mean, you kind of get accustomed to it. And then now you're, you know, we watched the Saints open the season with three national, I'm sorry, with four straight national games, basically, because even those afternoon games were, yeah. you know, game of the week sort of national slots. And so when you look at that, it's it's just been it's it's just something I think we've gotten accustomed to at this point. We're used to seeing this team that has now, you know, uh, sort of climbed the reins of NFL supremacy be one of those teams that you always see in the national scale and in the late afternoon slots, not having as many games going on at the same time. So it's it's out of the ordinary to see. And play two straight noon games. All of a sudden, for some reason, like you're right, it, 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 it's a weird thing because otherwise, you know, we're so accustomed to seeing that in the past anyway. But it's it, it's kind of become um, it's become less uh, less comfortable for us, I guess, over time. We're used to seeing our guys in that prime time.
1: I like that a lot, Ross. I'm talking right now with Ross Jackson, <laughs> All Saints considered in the Locked On Saints podcast, and I got to say, you know, we're, we're talking about the big matchup between the. Saints and the Jaguars, Minshew mania has been running wild over there, and it's been amazing just to hear all the all the word on the street concerning the man.
4: Yeah, I mean he's he's become a, the you know a thing of legend. You know he's the kind of a folklore at this point. You know I mean even um, even Demario Mario Davis has had a shirt, a Gardner Minshew shirt hanging up in his locker, and even he's a fan of. Him. And some of that goes back to connections way back and everything. But uh, but yeah, I mean Gardner Minshew's been. Insane. I mean, when you imagine the fact that, you know, the Jaguars went out and they spent all that money on Nick Foles and that he goes down so early in the season and, you know, they experienced this sort of this Drew Brees, this is kind of the same thing that Saints fans experience with Drew Brees, except they had a rookie quarterback who had never done anything in the NFL <laughs> and who had never even gotten the shot in the NFL yet. That had to come in, and he's been he's been impressive with the team. Um, you know, he's not winning as much as Teddy Bridgewater is, and the Jags aren't winning as much as the Saints are. But he certainly brings something special to that team in a time to where they could have been completely derailed uh, in terms of their in terms of you know their motivation, and they could have been under a lot of duress. But he's come in and provided a good amount of motivation for this team, and he's been a, kind of a spark plug for them. And I mean, if nothing else, he's fun to watch.
1: He's been fun to watch. I think a lot of that also has to help with the fact he's got two former LSU Tigers getting Ooh. it done. And DJ Charka, real surprise to kind of see him kind of propel himself into another level in his second season in the NFL. And then you have also, obviously, Leonard Fournette kind of starting to get things done in his third season with in the league.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to put on my Coach O real quick and say, go Tigers. <laughs> they've, been, they've been They've been so fun to watch over in Jacksonville. I'm glad to see Leonard Fournette break out. Uh, you know, I could have I could have stood for him to wait until the week after the Saints game to find his sort of breakout rhythm, but that's okay. Like, I'm not mad at him. Um, but it, you know, he's been absolutely he's been great. Uh, he's starting to really click and figure it out, uh, and it's good because you know we kind of been waiting for that for him. Uh, we'll see how consistent he can keep it throughout the throughout the year. But I mean, you know, you're going to root for him, right? I mean, if you're you're a Tiger yeah. fan or if you're a Saints fan, you're going to root for him no matter what. Same thing for DJ Chark. It's just yeah oh, man it when you see DJ Chark out there and you see him competing, you see him succeeding the way that he is. I mean, what he had 164 receiving yards last week. Yep. He's just and he's he's you know he's he's been upwards of that several times. You know, over 100 yards throughout the season. I have here's here's the thing. I have DJ Chark on my fantasy team. That is so exciting for me. You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. is so exciting to see him succeed to that level. And so I'm glad for them. I'm gonna need them to put it on hold a little bit this week, or I'm gonna need them to be limited a little bit this week. But uh, but I'm glad to see them succeeding out there and yeah I think that's a big thing that helps Gardner Minshew out a lot and how quickly he's gathered chemistry particularly with DJ Chark through the passing game but he also trusts that Leonard Fournette's going to have his back in a run game and so the chemistry that those three guys have picked up so quickly is really impressive
1: one thing we haven't gotten to is the fact Alvin Kamara listed as questionable on Friday in the mm-hmm. final injury report heading into this big matchup to kind of see if the Saints can keep that momentum going into week six and Alvin Kamara again questionable with an ankle injury how big is that to see, does this workload like, drop significantly in your mind? I
4: think, I mean, a part, I think a, the big part of it is that when you look at what Christian McCaffrey did against the Jags last week for the Panthers, you know, over 170 yards on the ground, an additional 60 yards through the air, three total touchdowns, you see that as a Saints fan, you kind of salivate a little bit when you mm-hmm. know that you're taking on that same Jacksonville Jaguars defense just a week later. And for a lot of Saints fans, they believe that a you know Alvin Kamara is a better version of that type of running back than Christian McCaffrey is, and you know Christian McCaffrey to me right now is your MVP so far through the early part of the season. But when you look at what Alvin Kamara brings to the table, he's a perfect matchup for uh, against the Jaguars to be able to deploy against the Jaguars, especially after you see the success that the Carolina Panthers had with Christian McCaffrey against them last week. And so you look at this as a game to where you were kind of expecting it to maybe be the Alvin Kamara show again, much like what we saw against Dallas. And then now you kind of have to be a little concerned about where that's going to go because you don't know if he's going to play. He's questionable coming through. I think he's going to play. Um, That's just kind of, that's not any information. That's just kind of me understanding who Alvin Kamara is and, and what he's going to want to do and what this offense is going to want to do against Jacksonville. I think his rest and everything was really important with him tweaking his ankle, but I would be, I would be surprised to see him not play at all. I think he would at least give it a shot or he would be a game time decision. Uh, but if the Saints do have, uh, if you know, if the Saints don't have, Alvin Kamara, then they're going to lean pretty heavily on Michael Thomas, but there's a correlation there too because it looks like Jalen Ramsey should make an appearance, but we don't know exactly what he's going to look like either. And so to me, the return of Jalen Ramsey and what that means for Michael Thomas directly correlates with how important Alvin Kamara is. If you're going to line up Trey Herndon against Michael Thomas, then throw the ball all day with Teddy and let that be what it is. But if you've got Jalen Ramsey back in there, then even if he's not at hundred percent, you have to respect them. And so that would become a heavier game plan for Alvin Kamara, who's got a good matchup against what has become surprisingly in Jacksonville, a weak linebacker lineup, which is not what I'm used to. I'm used to Talvin Smith and Miles Jack, um, and Miles Jack's still there, but he's not playing excellent this season so far. And so Alvin Kamara has a pretty positive matchup against these guys, but if he's not able to go, then that sort of puts a, That sort of dampens uh, the Saints' offensive attack. So you're going to be looking for Latavius Murray to step up in, on the ground and get involved in the passing game a little bit more than he's been able to. He hasn't gotten a ton of snaps, so it's really about opportunity. And then also see more from Jared Cook coming up in terms of being effective in the middle with that weak second level.
1: Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you hopefully next week. I don't know what time LSU is playing right now, so I'll I'll keep you in the loop, though.
4: That sounds great, man. Always a pleasure and no problem at all. Either I'll catch you next week or we'll watch another Tigers win next weekend. No problem.
1: Either way, (laughs) man, you have a good one. That was Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, and the Locked on Saints podcast. Love having that man on each and every week. And I think everybody else loves them, not just in the state of Louisiana, but across the world. During that interview, I was just looking over at my a, at their, our clock going on over here through the streaming on 1037 game.com or even the free mobile app. The Philippines was loving them some Ross Jackson. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout on the floor. We'll wrap up the show with one final take. Spoilers, it's all about the Cajuns. So it's all about the Cajuns. And that App State game in just a little bit. You're listening to a a Sports Station 103.7. The game at 103.7. The game at dot com.